Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Doing some studying and found out that in the 19, late 1980s and 90s, there was about 100 publications and studies done on the subject of happiness. About 100. And by the year 2014, there were over 10,000 studies done, published on happiness. 50 books were done on happiness in 2000. By 2008, there were over 4,000. It has been the subject of a lot of interest. Google's data says that interest in happiness tripled in the mid-90s, mid-2000s. And it's just absolutely gone through the roof and all the people jumped on the coaches and motivational speakers. Everybody jumped on the happiness bandwagon. One author wrote, the, the shortcut to everything you want in life, she said, is to be and to feel happy. And yet, and yet we are not happier as a people. And yet what they found and social scientists have found is the sad irony is that the more we have pursued happiness, the unhappier we've become. And during the pandemic, we saw another buzzword come to the, to the forefront, and that's the term mental health. And as mental health has risen up, you're, the happiness that we've been promised, we're saying, where is it? So for the next few weeks, I want to talk about healthy thinking. Because I'm, I'm not trying to say, let's pursue happiness, but let's pursue healthy thinking. And this morning, I want to talk about getting to a better place. Now, if you're thinking, man, I've been wanting to move for a long time. We're living in this little... No, I'm not talking about that place. I'm talking about a better place in your heart and in your mind because, honestly, that's where we live. You can, you can be at a really nice home with a beautiful view and be miserable. So where we live is in our heart and in our mind. And so I want to talk this morning about getting to a better place. There are, there are some times, and a great question is, where, where are you? Where are you? in your mind? Where are you in your thinking? And uh, there are things that kind of throw us into a dark place. And I've been there in the next few weeks. We'll talk about that because I, I certainly understand that. I, I've been in that situation before and you can get to a dark place. Uh, one of the things is when you deal with a lot of uncertainties, you don't know what's going to happen with the job or maybe with family or with different situations or the economy or the government. So a lot of people start to, to look at all the uncertainties and that puts them in a dark place then there's always the pileup of problems. You know, life, you think life never doesn't have problems, but sometimes they just seem like they add on to one another. You know, it's like, it's not just one, it comes in a group. And when it comes in a group and starts to just to pile on you, a lot of times, if you're not careful, you can go to a, a dark place in your mind on that. There was a man sitting in a bar just staring at a drink and he stared at it for about 30 minutes. Two guys entered the bar watching him. Finally, the the louder, bolder one of the two walked over to the guy. He said, hey, he said, hey, bro, don't just stare at the drink, drink the drink. And he picked his drink up and downed it, put the glass back, and the man began to cry. And he said, bro, I, I am so sorry. I did not mean to make you cry here. That, that wasn't my intent. He said, I'll buy you another drink. And the guy said, no, it's not it. He said, it's just been this day. He said, I got up. I, was, my, I slept through my alarm. 
He said, and I, went, I was rushing to work and I got into a wreck and messed up the front end of my car. And then when I got to work, my boss was mad because I missed the presentation and he fired me on the spot. And I had to get a box and take my stuff out. And as I was leaving and going home, I had a flat tire and I didn't have a spare. And by the time I finally made it home, my wife left me a note that said she was leaving me and she took the dog. He said, I was coming down here and I was just getting ready to build up the courage to end it all. And you come and drink my poison. Those are two people with a bad day now. That, that, has, that has spread. But here's the, here's the good news. We don't have to drink the poison. Now, in another thing that, that I think really is one of the biggest challenges, I won't unpack that this morning, but we talk about established patterns of thinking. I read some recent study that said 80% of the thoughts that we think are negative. I don't know how they gauge that or how they judge that. But I think it would be easy to say it's very easy to have your thoughts go to a negative place. We'll, we'll talk about that. But where are you in your thinking? And here's the good news. Wherever you are in your thinking, there is a better place that we can go to. And your relationship with the Lord has a direct impact on your thinking, on your mental health, on healthy thinking. David said this in the Psalms. He's one of my great examples. And David said this in Psalms 116. He says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul. He's talking to God. You've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. And David begins to write that. He said, there is a place where there's a sense of, maybe all the problems haven't gone away, but you have a sense of control over your emotions and control over your thinking. And there is a sense of rest and a sense of peace. And how in the world do you get there? That's where our relationship with the Lord, not just a religion, but a relationship with him makes such an impact in our lives. Because what we're saying is there may be stuff going on, but I know who I'm trusting in. And he has delivered my, he's delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling, that means I can walk with some strength and I can walk with some grace and I can walk with some peace because our relationship with him makes all the difference in the world and it makes a difference in our thinking. A New York psychologist who is Jewish and liberal and you think, oh, this is going to be a person who probably disagrees with everything that I agree with. Not so fast. She wrote something recently, very controversial, wrote something that said that, that the increase in anxiety and depression in our children and teens has been on the rise. She said, but it directly corresponds with the fact that the interest in God and religion has been on the decline. And she said, there is a direct correlation with that. She went as far to say as they've done, they've done studies that the children who attend, children and teens who attend one religious service, she's just calling it a religious service, one religious service a, a week have a greater psychological well-being than, than the kids who don't go. So for you parents who are bringing your kids, good for you. You're, you're helping them. But you don't realize what you're doing is, what you're doing is you're giving your kids some hope. This lady said, she said that uh, her, her, a lot of her patients come to her and say, what do I tell my children? We had a death in the family. What do I tell my children? I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven. This Jewish psychologist said, lie. 
Now, I am not advocating that, but that's what she said. She said lie. She said children can't deal with the idea and the thought that you just die and go back to dust. Adults may deal with it. She said kids don't deal with it well. I'm going to add something to that. I think children, especially young ones, know in their hearts that's not right. They're alive to God. They recognize, no, no, that's not the way it works. There is an eternity. There is a God. She said give them something they can hold on to. And if we give our children and our teens something to hold on to when they're young, it helps them when they're older. We have to believe that what we believe in our relationship with God impacts our mental health. It impacts our thinking. There's a guy in the Bible that, like I said, he's one of my favorites. It's David. I'm going to use him this morning. David, I'm, I'm going to give you a psalm that David wrote when he was in a bad place. That's the thing I like about David. He is as real as they come. And David was in a bad place. And you know the story, anointed to be a, a king when he was just a teenage boy, kills Goliath, becomes the most famous guy in Israel. They write songs about him, stayed number one on the top charts for a long time. He's the guy. He, uh, he marries the king's daughter. And, and then the king gets jealous. Saul's jealous. And Saul tries to kill him, takes his daughter away from him. Now he's a fugitive. He's running for his life. You know, we think of, we, listen, we deal with people writing bad stuff about us or sending us nasty emails. How about someone who's trying to literally kill you? That's a negative, that's a negative experience. And so David is trying to be killed. He goes down to a, a, a place in, in where the Philistines lived. They were the enemies of Israel. He think, maybe if I go to my enemies, I'll be safe. And they looked at him and go, they looked at the king and they went, do you know who that is? That's David. David who killed Goliath. David, who they wrote songs about. And David was so scared for his life that he began to act like a crazy person. The Bible said he started drooling on his beard and scratching at the door. And the king, the Philistine king went, basically went, don't I have enough crazy people around me? Why have you brought me another crazy person? And David escapes for his life again. And he winds up in a cave. You ever been in a cave? Caves aren't places where most people would like to live. I would like to grow up and visit and live in a cave. No one wants to live in a cave. They're dark, they're damp, they have a horrible view. There's no back door. It's a cave. And in this cave, David writes and he begins to express his heart to the Lord. It's Psalms 142. We're going to read the whole psalm, but I want you to see this. David writes, he said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. That's my request. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way I which I walk. They've secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, oh Lord. I said, you're my refuge. My portion in the land of the living, attend to my cry. I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They're stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me for you shall deal bountifully with me. Bountifully. That God will be good. David started in a bad place. He got to a good place. Guys, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. When he started... He was, man he was, man, he was feeling negative. You could tell. He took his complaint to God. Now, just as, as a side note, but it's really important. David, we look at this, this psalm. It's a snapshot of, of David's life. But if you look at the scope of David's life, 
He didn't just take his problems to God. He expressed his praise and his love for God. So now when he goes to God with the problem, he, he's, he knew that the Lord wouldn't turn him away. The Lord would not be disgusted with him. He, he's just pouring out his heart. He's accustomed to pouring out his heart in praise and honor. Now he's pouring out his heart because he's got a problem. And as David begins to talk, you get a sense that he said, this is bigger than I am. I'm, people are trying to kill me. And, and you hear him say, my spirit is overwhelmed. You ever had that feeling where you're just like, I can't handle this. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with this. He said, Lord, you know, you know the way I walk, man. They're trying to, they're trying to trap me. And, and, and then he says this, he said, there's no one that even acknowledges me. I got nobody on my side. One of the things about when your thoughts can go to a bad place, you can start to believe no one, no one cares. And that's what David says. He says, nobody cares for my soul. I've been, I've been there before. I've been, and if you ever have been in a state where maybe you've been down or depressed, one of the things, it's hard to see anything good. And you're thinking, nobody cares. Well, actually, that's not true because Jonathan loved David. Jonathan was his best friend. Jonathan would fight for him. So someone did care, but when you get in that kind of state, it's not a good place. And David said, I was brought low. But then he begins to pray. He said, Lord, bring me out of prison. And then David does something that's really powerful he begins to declare what's going to happen. He said, Lord, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of living. What's he doing? He's declaring who God is to him. He said, God, you're my refuge. You're the one I'm running to. God, you're my portion in the land of the living. He said, you know what? He said, the righteous are going to surround me. They're going to take care of me. They're going to come around me. I'm going to be an example of them. He said, Lord, because you have dealt bountifully with me. Lord, you have been good. He's saying the Lord, you will be good to me. David is declaring before he ever comes out of that cave that God's going to be good to him. He started off going, God, I got a problem. He ends up whining going, but God, you're going to be good to me. And God, if you're good to me, it doesn't matter what I'm facing. Your goodness can override anything that's in my life. I'm coming out of this mess now. And David wrote, he wrote another Psalm. He wrote another Psalm in the cave. And his psalm said, I will bless the Lord. Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. It's not where you start, it's where you wind up and you can get to a better place. I don't care to say, well, you know, Alan, you know, depression and being down, that's been in my family for years, but it doesn't have to be in your future for years. You can make that decision. You can come out of that situation. You say, well, great. Well, how do I do that? Glad you asked. So here's the first one. Take, take the situation, take your situation to God. Don't just try to handle it alone. You're thinking, I, I know he's going to reject me. And I, I know he's going to be disappointed in me because I'm showing weakness. No, he's not. He wants you to bring it to him. But let me give you just, just it's important, guys, is, is I didn't just watch the Astros game. I prayed about this. And <laughs> in, in praying about this, this keeps coming up. Don't just take God your problems. Take him your praise. See, what happens is, you say, well, does that make God move on my behalf? No. It doesn't change God. It changes you. 
And when you take God, your praise and you honor him, maybe things aren't that bad right now in your life. This is a good time to go, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you. You have been good to me. Lord, I want to give you all the praise. You, you have helped me. You, what are you doing? You're honoring him. You're respecting him. And that becomes the basis of a good foundation of relationship. See, the relationship is not just God, I need you. God, I need you. It's God, I love you. I praise you. I give you all the praise. So when I do have a problem, you're there for me. And I could talk to you and you could help me. When I was in college, I came down to my last semester and I was just this close to making the dean's list. And I had one class where I'd made an 89. If I had a 90, then I would have an A and I would make the dean's list. I went to see the professor, but there was a problem. I rarely ever went to her class. I skipped almost all of her classes. I figured out I could read the book, take the test, make a good grade. So I went to see her and I'm like, hey, it's me who you don't recognize. My name is Alan. I was in this class. And I said, I'm almost on the dean's list. And all I need is one point. And I remember she looked at me. She said, um, you didn't attend my class. You never participated. And you're asking me for one point. I'm kind of like, no. <laughs> and, and I remember you say, well, what happened? I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't make the dean's list. Aren't you glad God's not like that? He, 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 he cares. But listen, I didn't have any confidence going to her because I'd skipped all those classes. Does that make sense? So what happens is when we bring our hearts before the Lord and we worship him and love him and praise him, then when we come with the problem, it's not just like, oh, hey, it's me. With the problem, it's, hey, Lord, this is me, your, your child, and I love you, and you've been good to me. I need your help. And then believe that he cares for your soul. Paul wrote this in Galatians when he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul made it personal. You say, well, Paul was an apostle. Paul killed Christians before he came to Christ. He was, he was bad. I mean, he didn't just write bad blogs about Christians. He killed them. And he, he put them in prison. But he made it personal. He said, Jesus loves me. And he gave himself for me. You got to make it personal. God, you care. Maybe no one else cares. Maybe people you feel like have abandoned you. Maybe you feel like they have, they have left you in the dust. But he cares for your soul. And you can have faith in his love for you. That's the, one of the first steps toward healthy thinking. They've done studies and they have found that patients who are clinically depressed respond better to medication and have a 75% chance of coming out and improving over those who don't believe that there's a good God who cares about them. In other words, the ones that care that God is personal and he cares for them have a 75% chance, better chance of improving. Do you realize that what you believe can even impact your ability to take medication? That what you believe is powerful? And if you believe God cares for you, then you recognize, God, I am coming out of this and that's all the difference in the world. Here's the second thing. Establish, begin to establish who God is to you. Jesus asked the disciples one time, they were walking, Jesus asked them two questions. He said this, he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? 
And they answered, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Do you realize one of the most important questions you'll ever ask, answer in life is who do you say he is? It's not who your mom says he is. It's not who grandma says he is. It's not who your pastor says he is. It's who you said he is. And the most powerful things you can ever do is say what Peter said when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and said, you are blessed, Peter. You said the right thing. But my question to you is, who do you say he is? David had at the core of his being, David, when he got down to it, he's in the cave. He's going through difficult times. But David looked up and said, Lord, you are my refuge. You are my portion. You're the one that can deliver my soul from this prison. You are the one who is good to me. And you have to determine in your own life, who is God going to be to you? Lately, I've started saying before I go to bed and when I get up in the morning, I just added stuff to my, I always say, this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But I've added the 23rd Psalm because it's such a great declaration of who God is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He doesn't torment your soul. He restores your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid because you are with me. Your rod staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's a good God. What are you doing? You're declaring. So now, now listen, don't miss this part. It's the declaring of it that makes it powerful in your life. It's the declaring. It's the saying, God, this is who you are. You can do that in your prayer time. You can do that just in your alone time. God, this is, this is who you are. Because here's the deal. Consistent declaration builds a strong foundation for healthy thinking. Consistent declaration. Lord, you're my refuge. You're my strength. You're my helper. You're my peace. You're my grace. You're my provider. God, you're my healer. You are the... What are you doing? You're declaring these things. And so when you hit that, when you hit those hard places in life, you've got a good foundation for your thoughts to go into a good place. David didn't start off well in the cave. He got to a good place. It doesn't matter how you start. We just got to get to a better place. The last one is this. It's beginning. This is, well, this is big. It's begin to talk about and declare what's going to happen to you. Now, this is, this is good right here. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Sometimes when you get into a, a, a bad place and you're looking around, it's so easy to look around and go, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be horrible. I don't think anything good's going on. I can't see anything. It is so easy just to go to a negative place. But what if you did this? What if you begin to declare, Lord, you'll be good to me. You will deal bountifully with me. The Lord's going to help me. Sometimes the best thing I, I, I've ever said, I've gotten in situations I don't even know what to do. But I do know what to say. The Lord's going to help me. The Lord will help me. I've got our whole staff saying that. Sometimes we'll just look at each other and go, the Lord's helping us. The Lord is helping us. And that's making a difference in our life. David said in the Psalms, in Psalms 23, and I like how this ends. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy. You hear some people talk about, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Have you ever noticed the other shoe's never positive? It's always a negative shoe. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
Whoa, there's too many good things going on. I've heard people say, things are going too good. I'm waiting for it to go bad. Listen, don't say that. How about saying this? Things are going good because surely goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life and I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not kicked out of the house. I'm part of the family. I'm in. What are we talking about? We're talking about getting to a better place in our thinking, healthy thinking, thinking beyond the problems, not drinking the poison, declaring the answer before we see it. True story and I'll close. And by the way, when I close, don't, don't leave immediately. We've got something we need to do as a church. But there was a late true story. A lady in, in California had been in a, in a mental sanitarium for, for years. She was extremely depressed. In fact, they said all she would do was sit on a bench and stare at the ground. She wouldn't talk to anybody. She wouldn't respond to anybody. No one had heard her talk for years. Well, one day a new doctor came in who did not know her or her case. And he walked up and saw her sitting on the bench. He's kind of a happy doctor. He said, hello, my name is Dr. Heaven, H-E-V-E-N. What is your name? No response. He said, "Uh, how long have you been here? No response. And uh, he said, well, he said, I'm Dr. Heaven. I'll see you tomorrow. He turned around and walked away and she spoke. Now he didn't know her history, so he didn't realize what, what an amazing thing it was. She said, what did you say your name was? He said, Dr. Heaven, H-E-V-E-N. And somewhere in her wounded mind, she heard another heaven, H-E-A-V-E-N. She began to think about heaven. She began to think about God. She began to think about a God who loved the world so much that he sent his son to pay the price for their sins. And as she began to think about God, the next day she began to talk to people. You know what she said? This is the day the Lord has made. She told everyone she met, this is the day the Lord has made. The next day, she said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Within a couple of weeks, she's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in five weeks, they dismissed her from the mental sanitarium, and she's been a teacher in Southern California for years. What's happened? You say, what happened? What happened? Listen. We can never underestimate the power of God and his ability to impact our thinking and to impact our life. You're sitting in church going, am I wasting my time? No, you're not wasting time. And you're not wasting your family's time because you're putting spiritual life and light in you. And when there's spiritual life and light in you, it can begin to drive away the darkness. I don't care how much depression or bipolar or whatever's been in your home. It does not have to be your future because with God, all things are possible. And with God, you can begin to think differently. There's a way out here, guys. It's healthy thinking. You can make this. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? We're going to pray. Please, no one leaving and moving around. If you came this morning and said, Alan, I don't even know if I've asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life, or I'm not sure, but I want to be. Or maybe you've done that and just gotten away from him. And you're recognizing, no, I, I want to come back to the one who loves me, the one who cares for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's no one looking around. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're going to, but we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But if that's you I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I want, to, I want to be sure. I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Real quick, would you slip your hand up just across the... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, all over. Anybody else? 
Great. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you really wanted to get in on this prayer. This is the heart prayer. God sees hands. He sees heart. You can pray this prayer from the heart. We're going to pray it with you. If you're watching online, listen, uh, if you're watching online, if you're by yourself, say this out loud. If you're with other people, say it quietly. But we're going to pray with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed, Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer, for those who've come out of darkness into, into your marvelous spiritual light, and for those who've come back home to the one who loves them more than anyone else. Thank you, Father, for those of us who know you, that we recognize that you do care for our soul, and you can help us to have healthy thoughts, thoughts that are governed by your word and by your spirit. Lord, we are grateful for that. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.